Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Uh, we all have a story. We all have struggles. And the good news is we are not alone. And this week, we have a special guest here to share their story and the struggles and how they've overcome them and gotten to where they are today. Uh, and our guest this week is Brianna O'Shea. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's Thursday uh, recording, so this will come out uh, here in a little while. And uh, just glad to have you here to talk about your story and how you've overcome a lot uh, and gotten to where you are today. So um, talk to us a little bit about who you are okay. uh, and where you are today, and then we'll talk about your story. Okay. So I'm Brianna. I am a recovering alcoholic. Um, so today I, um, you know, go to AA meetings. I help other women in the program. I work the 12 steps, live for the outdoors, um, love my dog, love my family, um, have a really good life today. It's a blessing, you know, have a, an amazing relationship with God, um, who I call my higher power. And just, you know, life today is a huge blessing compared to what it used to be. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today and uh, go back into where I was. Yeah. Talk to us about <clears throat> maybe your childhood okay. prior and uh, to your addiction and kind of what, you know, got you into your addiction? How'd you end up, you know, as an alcoholic and um, depending on the drink yeah. per se? So growing up, I had a really good childhood. You know, I mean, I had everything I could ask for. Um, I was one of five kids. You know, my parents had good money. I never like if I wanted something, I had it. Didn't matter what it was. You know, I went to a good school. But as a kid, I was always I grew up and I was always irritable. You know, I grew up as growing up. I was irritable, discontent. I just, you know, psychologists would diagnose me with ADHD, ODD, oppositional defiant disorder. I mean, everything under the moon they would diagnose me with. Um, and, you know, growing up, my two older, my older brother and my older sister were always getting in trouble. So I was like, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to drink. I don't want to anything. So I would try to be like this perfect kid, but I wasn't, you know, at home, I would break stuff everywhere. I just was so defiant. Um, Pretty much I was like, you know, I always wanted to be accepted. I never felt like I was a part of, never felt like people understood me. Um, And then when I was in fifth grade, I moved to North Carolina um, and it was kind of a culture shock. You know, I was from a very small town in Londonderry, New Hampshire, where, you know, you knew everybody. And then mm. I come to Charlotte and it was like, holy cow, I don't know. You know, it was very culture shock. And so going to different schools and stuff like that, um, you know, my parents, ha we were very affluent when we moved here. And mm -hmm. then um, everything was really good, you know, until about eighth grade. Um, I got kicked out of a couple different schools for just, you know, my behavior because mm -hmm. my parents put me in private school. Um, but I was still not into drinking. I had all the isms. I had all the, you know, irritability and all that stuff, but I never had picked up a drink yet. I remember I was like 13 and I picked up a couple cigarettes and that was about <laughs> it. And I was like, oh, I'm rebellious. Um, but like, you know, the cops would show up in my house and stuff for my brother. So I was like, I don't want to get in trouble with the law, da da da, you know. Yeah. And um when I got into high school, I just I hated it. You know, I hated school, my anxiety, 
and depression was really bad. Um, so I never felt like anybody, I always felt like I was judged, like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. Um, people didn't like me. And in high school, people are mean, you know, yeah. like and we didn't have social media. then. No. And so like you just kind of and I was always known as Bobby's little sister because my brother was very popular. He was a big partier. He Everybody knew him and I was just like in his shadows, but I didn't want to be that partier and everything like that. Um, so everything was really good, but I, I could tell like something wasn't right. You know, I was always on medication. They put me on Adderall when I was like seven. I know. And so, you know, around, I guess it was around 18. Um, I had gotten my first job and I met this girl and she introduced me to everything, you know, and she so still me. hadn't drank. Really. Had not drank. Okay. Um, I think I had maybe had a beer at some party my brother brought me to when I was mm. like 16. It was a yingling. I do remember that. And that <laughs> was nasty. <laughs> I was like, no way, you know? And then around 18, I met, like I said, I met this girl and, um, she was really big into all these drugs and drinking and like K2 back in the day was like that yeah. synthetic weed. And, um, so I started getting into the scene of partying and everything and I started drinking and, um, you know, the first time I got drunk, I was 21, which is crazy to wow. think about. But from that moment on, it was like I had arrived is what I say. You know, it was like I felt taller. I felt prettier. I, I felt better. I was like, you know, and all this time I, I had so many goals that I wanted to achieve. You know, I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be all these things. I had done two years of college. Well, when I turned 23, my parents were like, got divorced. They got separated. And it was either I get two jobs and get my own place or I'm going to be homeless, you know? Wow. So at 23, at 23. Yeah. So, um, and my drinking was pretty, pretty heavy at this point. I'm going out every night drinking but I'm still like holding down jobs. I still have like everything I need, you know, and I'm partying and I just didn't, I hadn't gotten to that point where it got really bad yet. Yep. I was maintaining, um, and around, you know, I, but I, everybody I hung around with, like, if you didn't drink like I did, then I didn't want to be around you because like you had to be able to put some alcohol down because that's, that's what it, you did. Yeah. That's what I did. So you know, and I would lie and I would scheme and I would manipulate people. You know, I was taught how to manipulate it as a young kid. Like my mom was, we used to call, I still, my brother called her a gypsy. Because like if there was a bill that needed to be paid, somehow she would manipulate into not having to pay it. And it wouldn't go on her credit. Like I was 23 years old. I had six failure to appears in court. And somehow my mom went to the judge and got them all dismissed. Wow. And all I had to pay was like $50 to get my license. I drove from 18 to 23 without a license. Never got caught. Never. Well, well, I got pulled over. Yeah. But, but I never went to jail for it. The failures appeared. Yep, somehow had, miraculously went away. Yeah. So my mom went to the courthouse and they dropped them all. That That's was a like, blessing. If that wasn't but also a curse, maybe. Curse. It was. So there was no, I, ha I never had any consequences to my actions. That was the problem, you know? And um, I guess around. 25 is when I had my first consequence. I was working at Bath & Beyond and I was serving. I would lose serving jobs like no tomorrow because you drink and you act stupid and I'm partying and calling mm -hmm. out and just whatever. But, you know, I uh, I was stealing from Bed Bath & Beyond. I was stealing stupid shit because, 
you know, I was an adrenaline junkie. That's what I did. I mean, if something was going to give me a rush and give me that high that I wanted and I couldn't drink at the moment, then I was going to do it. Um, and it and was, that was your fix. That you, was my fix. Stealing, shit, manipulating people. Like, if you couldn't drink. If I couldn't drink. Or it would be stupid. Like, yeah. it was just stupid stuff and nothing that even like was gonna do any benefit for me but it did at the time it did whatever i wanted at that moment and um they thought i was working with this other girl who was stealing um like six hundred dollar bed sheets from bed bath beyond and i was like i had never been in in trouble like i'd never been arrested and here i am getting arrested it's december 23rd 2015 and i'm getting arrested two days before christmas and um are you getting is this at work at work wow i came into work and the um the guy who was over all of the uh what do you call it loss prevention he was over the whole company of bed bath and beyond was there and um like was conning me into telling and i was just like i did it you know whatever but i lied about why i did it like you know what i mean like i was like and then when the lawyer asked me i got a public defender so they ended up charging me uh, what the chart pending charge was was felony larceny of employee over 23 dollars worth of and I was 23, 23 and it was a felony. Yep. Wow. And at the time I'm dating a heroin addict. So like I'm freaking Life, out. Life's going pretty good Life's right now. Life's going pretty good. Yeah. You know, I just lost my job. I just got arrested and I'm dating a heroin addict. I gotta love it. But, um, you know, that's what I thought I was worth at that moment. You know, I thought that's what I thought that's what God had in store for me. You know, I always ran off of self-oil for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up, I sat in jail for four hours and I remember going to the jail, trying to flirt with the officers, stupid <laughs> like, let me out. Yeah. And they were like, you get one phone call. And I'm like, what the f-? I'm like, I've never experienced any of this. My uh. sisters and brothers had, they've been arrested several times. And it's something you didn't want. You saw, cause you said, uh-huh. I've seen this happen to them. Right. I don't want this to be me. And now it's. Mm-hmm. becoming you it was it was becoming me my addiction was in it was in full gear now um but i didn't see that because i could put down the drink i could i was controlling it i thought i was but i wasn't you know and um so i got that i ended up getting a job at hendrix and i was um serving i had i was serving at um i don't know one of the jobs i was serving at i can't remember and uh, but i was paying my bills my bills were paid you know i had a car i had everything i need i was living with my brother who also drank a lot like i did mm-hmm. this was my younger brother and so we'd party together you know and um but i was like i'm managing this like i'm doing good like everything is okay yeah. <laughs> you know but I wasn't really, you know, I had uh, everything, all my dreams that I wanted to achieve, school, everything had gone out the window and fear was completely controlling my life. Um, You know, I had a fear of failing my entire life because at a young age, my parents lost everything. And so I had to get a job. I had to work. And, you know, it was constantly trying to figure out how to pay for stuff. Yeah. Um. So it was a lot of anxiety all the time. So I'm 25 at this time, and um, I'm just like, oh, I can still party, you know, whatever. Like, I'll get a job when the time is right. And I always wanted to help people, you know. Regardless, I wanted to, you know. I thought dating a heroin addict, I could save him. He's not gonna, and you know, he's taking my car all the all the time. He's, you know, we're fighting. He's nodding out. He broke mm. a t- my table on my back porch. It's just constant chaos of misery that i didn't you know 
want to deal with. Yeah. And um, ended up dating him for like 10 months, left that and um, found another alcoholic to date. I was always in relationship after relationship after relationship with alcoholics. It was was it to fill a void? Yeah, or? most definitely. It was another high. You know, it was another I'm not good enough. I will if I'm loved, if I have a good job, if I have this, everything will be better. No, that's not the truth at all. Mm-mm. Um, so I just, I continued to do that. And then, um, I guess it was around 2019. Yeah, that's when I got sober. So 2000, no, I got 2018 is when I got sober. So 2017 was my worst year of my drinking. Talk to us about that, man. So I met these people that were big into going out on the lake big going out to Lake Wiley. Um, I would meet drunks that were god awful at the bars or on, you know, Bumble or Tinder or whatever. And I would just get free drinks. So I'd be like, yep, let's go, let's go out to dinner. Let's let's just drink. And that drinking would, can get a, it's an expensive habit. It is. And I mean I could uh, back then I could afford it. You know, it wasn't yeah. as expensive it is as it probably but is still, now. If but you can get still, it for free and Yeah. You know, I would go to Max Speed Shop, which was my um hole in the wall because I lived right in Matthews at Pacey's Commons. And so I'd go to Max Speed Shop after work and and drink well got to about i guess it was summertime and you know i'm going out to the lake every weekend um the first episode was um i'm out on the lake i'm drinking 16 beers out there and i get a concussion that's like, a lot for anybody that's a lot for anybody and for me you're out in the 95 degree weather the sun is beating on you i mean it's a lot you're probably you, not being hydrated like nope you're drinking most days you're not drinking no. water or gatorade or no. electrolyte and at the day this point, before right and at this point i'm not eating as much as i should be i'm just drinking um and so i would eat like after i drank all night or something and then That'd be really about it. But other than that, like I wasn't eating like I should because I just wanted to drink. You know, that's where my money went was to alcohol. So when I got a concussion out on the lake, I was just like I w- my best friend at the time was with me. And um, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know who the president was. I think Obama wow. was at the time. And I ended up throwing up over the um the boat and I was like, all right, let's go do some shots at T-Bones. Like didn't even recognize the fact that I just severely hurt myself, like could have brain damage, you know, just didn't care. Didn't process through my head. And so wow. I continued to go on and continue to drink. So the people you're with allowed you to mm-hmm. continue to drink rather than, hey, let's go get right. checked out. Even though the girl that I was with at the time was supposedly Your my best, best friend. And, um, you know, was in the medical field and, um, nobody was like, go to the doctor or anything like that. My parents were, my family was, and they were like, Brianna, you got to slow down. Like, you've got to stop going out on the lake. You're going to really hurt yourself. Well, the next weekend I'm out there again. And this time I blew, I'm drunk and I decided it's a smart idea. I always got into my car and drove when I was drinking. It did not matter because I did not want to be stuck somewhere no matter how much no matter drank. how much i drank i did not want to be stuck somewhere and i thank god to this day i never got a dui i never hurt anybody i never killed anybody by the grace of god and the statistics are that you should have and this yeah that's right i should have most definitely oh yeah 100 i mean i would be driving i would be i would stop at the gas station pour my beer into my turvis and drive while i'm drinking after already being drunk after already being drunk yeah out to the lake or to, going home and 
I'm sure a lot of times you probably don't even remember getting I don't. Home like, or... a lot of this is spotty, so I have to, like, really dig down deep and be like, okay, this is what's going on, you know? And so I blew out, so I go to the, try to go to the gas station, and I blow out two tires on my car. And, um, you know, I was just like, what the f***, you know, what is going on? What has my life become? I was like, it's the f- sidewalk's fault. It's not Brianna's fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, the sidewalk it can't, it can't be your fault. Been, right. The sidewalk should not have been there. Um, and, you know, my I ended up, I didn't even take care of it at that moment. I knew some of their buddies that were out on the lake. So I, this is like at 10 o'clock at night. And um, I have to be at work at like nine o'clock the next morning. And we know that's not going to happen, you know, clearly. So um, I had to, I decided, okay, well, I'm not going to take care of the problem. I'm not going to call a tow truck because I don't have the money to pay for a tow truck. I don't have the money to pay for the two tires that I just, you know, destroyed. That the, that the sidewalk's fault. That Right, exactly. That's the sidewalk's fault. So instead, I call some buddies that are out on the lake to continue to drink. Um, and at that time, the boat ended up breaking down in the middle of the lake. So we had to use one of the guy's Marine's flag to, like, push. This is like a, this is like a fishing boat, like a big-ass fishing boat they bring out, on, like, to the ocean we had to dock it onto some random person's dock climb up and like somehow we figured out how we got back i think that was right when like uber started to come out or something So they came and picked you up and you got on the boat and then after going back out the boat breaks breaks (laughs) and your car is stuck at the gas station with two tires at work right and so now i'm this is out at lake wiley and these um people that i'm friends with and i'm at they live in pondville so we uber all the way back to pondville my car is still at the lake and i'm wasted drunk and i'm like freaking out because i want to be home like i was very much a control freak i needed to be where i needed to be even if i was drunk regardless and you have work at 9 a.m and i have work at 9 a.m so my mom was was my big enabler she really she was never like you have a drinking problem she was just like you don't know how to stop you know she was like you need to stop hanging out with those people that will fix your problem um it wasn't those people you know it was me you know yes those people drank a lot but they drank like how i did you know you wanted to be around those right you become who you surround yourself with right and so the next day, of course, my mom doesn't come out to help me fix it. My dad does. And I'm still drunk from the night before because I'm out to like three, four in the morning. Had to call out of work. And um, my dad's like, oh, I'll come help you change the tires. Then we'll drive back to Charlotte to get another tire. And I'm like, OK, like, awesome. He's going to change this tire for me. No, he's like, oh, it's your day to learn how to change a tire. It's 95 (laughs) degrees out. It's the middle of July. And I'm just like, so I ended up learning how to change a tire, which has been great because I've never had to rely on anybody in sobriety to change a tire. And I've had to change a tire several times in sobriety. But um, so that happened. And then um, came around to July 4th. I was dating this alcoholic um, and there was a massive uh, July 4th party at the lake. of good nature was playing there. You probably know them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was open bar, you know? And so, so who's going to be there? Me. And so my boyfriend at the time was supposed to come with me. 
Mm-hmm. And he didn't. I don't even remember why. And once again, Brianna has to work in the morning because I worked seven days a week when I, I mean, that's how I, that's how I was. I was, I had all the isms. So I was a workaholic, alcoholic. I was just whatever relationshipaholic, peopleaholic, like whatever was going to give me that fix. That was it. So I'm out at this party and I'm with people who I think are my friends and everybody starts leaving and I'm left alone. And I'm like, well, let me find another guy to Make me feel better about myself because poor Brianna. And um, no, I end up getting wasted. At this point, I'm puking up blood. Mm. And um, I am crying because why am I doing this to myself? Like, why do I continue to do this to myself? And um, I just didn't care. Like, I ended up calling that boyfriend. He had to cut, he had to drive all the way from, I think it was like Kannapolis to Lake Wiley to pick me up. And I, of course, had to leave my car at Lake Wiley. And he lived all the way in Kannapolis. So I'm having to go stay with him in Kannapolis. I have to be at work at 9 a.m. And I'm like, what the f***? This is my, this is how my life was. The yeah. chaos was constant it was always drama and just like last minute getting my together and um he ended up breaking up with me because he was like i just was like i was mean to people i would point fingers at everybody else while three fingers were pointing back at me yeah um and then i got into another relationship with another drunk um and at this point i'm just like i don't care about anything you know i really don't um you know and he was a drug addict too he did a lot of cocaine and i was like but i was always the better alcoholic of the relationship you know what i mean like i would date a worse alcoholic so that like i could point the finger i'd be like you're so bad look at yourself and i'm like as i'm drinking my brains away you know Mm -hmm. and um so i get so i'm like you know just a disaster. Um, September of 2017, I ended up getting Luna. And I was like, this is going to get me sober. This is going to be the key. You know, I, I know that I'm an alcoholic at this point. I know that my drinking has gotten pretty bad, but um, I wasn't ready to stop. Um, and I would leave her as a puppy and I'd be like, I'm going to drink. And I would be like, Michael, take care of her. And, you know, or I put it on my dad and just God awful things. I would just, you know, not even care about it. And, um, you know, it was, it was horrible. I mean, she, she definitely, I knew, I, I know now. God brought her into my life. I mean, that's my like ride or die. She's here with us right now. She's She's wandering around. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so you know, I got her and um, I was like, this is going to fix everything. This is going to, you know, and it, and it didn't. And that relationship with that alcoholic, it went the same way every other one did. They ended up ghosting me, which, you know, I, I truly believe that was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yeah. Because I was like, I love you. I didn't even know what love was. I couldn't love myself. So January of 2018, I get into another relationship, you one know, one after another, one after the other. And this one was one that changed my life. For sure. Talk to us about that. So he taught me how to love myself for sure. You know, he did everything under the moon and the sun for me. Real quick. Is he an alcoholic drug addict or is he? No, he was normal. He had his own issues. He loved the gym and stuff like that, but he was pretty normal guy. I mean, I, I mean, that was probably the one person that I could say I truly loved, um, you know, and it was just. I was still drinking at that point, um, but I was trying to control it. It wasn't as bad as it was. Um, You know, I had a good job. I was working at Hendrix. I was keeping those jobs. Um, 
and you know he was just he was really good to me you know and i just he kind of showed you what love can look like yeah he showed me that i was worth more than what i was selling yourself yeah selling myself for (laughs) you know and um but i was emotionally cheating on him the entire time i was in a relationship with him seeking validation from other men we would go to a brewery that i knew the general manager liked me and i would use that to get free beer I mean, I was still, I, I remember to this day, we went out, like it was like um three dates, like it was like me and three of my girlfriends mm-hmm. that all had boyfriends at the time. And like, um, and there he was giving me free beer and I'm like all over him as my boyfriend's like sitting next to me. And I would just do a lot of shit things i'd be like you can't come to my house unless you bring beer over or unless you bring toys for luna or just like stupid things that because i didn't care you know i wanted what i wanted and that was it um and may 3rd 2018 was the last time i took a drink um i remember that day like it was yesterday i was at my best friend jill's house i had a mick ultra a pack of um, peanut butter m&ms and a orange um, monster and something in my head was like, this is your last drink. And um, that was um, 20 days later, I was started volunteering at um, Legacy Freedom Treatment Center. Okay. I was doing um, whatever Brad Wilkerson told me to do. Is that your sponsor? But no, that or? was my he was like, I'm going to I tr- I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to help. I wanted to get into the substance. Abuse you said earlier that you always wanted to help always people. Always wanted to help people. Yeah. But you didn't know your worth and were selling yourself short. So. Exactly. So here I am finally volunteering. I am working, you know, seven days a week. I have or well, I was working six days a week. I had a Thursday off. So on my Thursdays and any time I had off, I was at Legacy Freedom doing whatever he needed me to do. Just to stay busy because to, yep. you know, for me, I in my past with addiction, if I wasn't busy, yeah, you know, that's when things can get slippery and Yeah. That's when the dev- devil's hands come in. Um yep. and so you know, they two months, I guess it's two months later, they ended up hiring me, you know, as an admissions coordinator at Legacy Freedom. And they're about to open up a detox facility, Freedom Detox. Um, And I finally and at this point, I didn't have a sponsor yet. I was dry drunk. I was um just I knew I was an alcoholic and I wanted to stop drinking, but I wasn't at that point yet where I'm like, OK, it's time to stop. Um, And I remember like it was yesterday. It was in July. Um. I was about I was about three months sober and in walks this lady and Freedom Detox is, a, is we're in the process of getting it open. Like I'm feeling good about myself. I'm helping alcoholics and drug addicts get treatment like I'm on cloud nine. But something I'm my anxiety and fear is still super high. So yeah. I'm like, I haven't gotten that place yet. So she came in and um, I remember texting her when she laughed and I was like, do you go to AA meetings? And she said, yes. And I was like, can I go with you tonight? And that was my first meeting. I picked up a white chip and I was scared to death, but I didn't know, (laughs) but I didn't know how to live. You know what I mean? Like all I knew was lying, manipulating, seeking validation, just conning people. That's it. I Mm -hmm. knew how to work really hard at doing that to get what I wanted. That's how I always got everything. You know, I was never told no ever. Yeah. I got always got what I wanted. And, you know, that That doesn't help you later in life. No, it does not. You know, because you get, I get nose a lot today. But you got to keep moving. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I start working the steps. Um, I really start living this life, you know, doing AA. Um, December 
uh, I'm doing good. Everything's great. Working through the steps. Life is going good. And then, um, you know, on December 31st, 2018, we all said good night. We said happy new year. And I get a phone call at 5 a.m. January 1st. My brother's had a stroke. My 30 year old mm. brother had a stroke He's in the hospital. Um, and I'm six months sober at this time, you know, and yeah. uh, he it's pretty bad. Like, I mean, they're like, you know, we don't know how he's still alive. Well, wow. so they um, rushed him to Pondville, uh, CMC Pondville. And um, my mom said my dad said the last time he saw my brother alive was at the apartment and then he never reopened or regained consciousness after after that and so it's about six days later um he had another stroke they think um and he went brain dead mm. um and he passed away and uh that was one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in my life. You know, I looked up to my brother. We were very close, two years apart. Um, and he lived. He was a dr huge drinker. He was the partier. He was everything. And I'm like, then I have this guilt. And I'm like, why my brother? Like, he wanted to get married. He wanted to have kids. Like, he was engaged. He was getting married in October of that mm. year. Like, he had all these things ahead of him. And I was like, but I knew God had a plan. And like, that was the thing is I remember praying over my brother and I was just like, God, whatever your plan is, I know you have one. Like, cause I was, I was big into that, you know, and I'm still with my ex-boyfriend at the time and he's really carrying me through things. And, um, but you know, I realized that we were in two different places and we broke up, but we broke up on good terms. You know, it was, one of the hardest things I ever did. Um, and um, I had to make amends to him later on. And he pretty much told me that um, our relationship was not a relationship. I used him, um, you know, and I asked him, I said, well, what can I do to repay you? And he said, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and it just so happens that my tattoo artist is cousins with him. And <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, of course, you know, but I hope he's doing well and like he deserves that. He's an amazing person. But, um, you know, life gets really good after that. I mean, of course, that was it was God awful losing my brother. I was in therapy, um, you know, for that. And I was in therapy for yeah. a lot of other stuff. You know, I had a lot of inner child problems. I had a lot of that I needed to deal with. My parents had a very tumultuous relationship when I was growing up just what I was used to. Um, and then I get to about a year and a half sober and I'm still in sobriety. Like you still have all those isms, like you're seeking validation okay. because you don't learn how to, like, I didn't really learn how to fully love myself probably until I was about two years sober. Yeah. I'm still learning how to love myself. I mean, it gets easier as time right. goes, but it's, you know, I still have a lot of anxiety with the career future. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I'm in a job right now. Um, but what the career will look like where God wants me, you know, I'm single. So yeah. the relationship, you know, I want wife and kids. And right. What is that going to look like? Am I going to be able to provide, uh, yeah. cause prior I was always, you know, my self-worth was very low. You know, I was a failure. Why would people love me if I didn't yep. love myself? Exactly. You know, I know my worth now, but it still takes a while to for your body and yeah. your mind to, you know, be a hundred percent there. Yeah, it does. You can tell yourself that, but you know, you still have those intrusive thoughts every exactly. now and then. Because not every thought is your thought. Exactly. And that's the thing is that I learned a lot of things that I had I don't have control over my first thought, but I have control over what I do with that thought. You know, and, um, you know, God is a huge part of my life, but at a year and a half sober, I thought it would be a smart decision to get into a relationship with an active alcoholic. And I'm like, 
You what? know better. Uh, right. I'm like, come on, Brianna. You know, well, when I met him, he was just like, well, I, I went to treatment because I dabbled with cocaine. And I'm like, OK, whatever. Like, we all have our issues. Well, no. I mean, it was a very short relationship, but I was at that point where I thought I could save him. You know, if I stayed sober and did everything I possibly could, why don't you want this? You know, and um, yeah. I loved that man, you know, or I guess I thought I loved him. Um, you know, he was really attractive. He worked hard. I mean, he, he was, was hot, you know, I mean, but filling a void, filling a void still, you know, and I have a good job at this point. I have my own place. I've, I've moved out of my brother with my brother. I've got my own place. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, me growing up, me and my dad had a really bad relationship. I, hated my father. After my brother passed away, my dad moved in with me and my brother for nine months. Um, and I regained an amazing relationship with my dad. He's one of my best friends today. That's awesome. And um, he loves Luna and he takes care <laughs> of her when I go to concerts or when I go away. Um, she's not that's last where he minute. Goes. Uh, I want to go drink. Right. Yeah, take care of her. But yeah, do fun things because you can still do a lot of fun yes. things and live a great life uh, being sober. Exactly. Like my life today is ever like so much like there's so much that I've done. I'm in sobriety like, um, you know, I went out to Colorado um, in 2020 after I broke up with that alcoholic. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something for myself. Went to Colorado, um, hiked up to 13,000 feet in the Rocky Mountain National Park um, and had an amazing spiritual experience. Felt my brother's presence wrote a letter to my old self, like wow. just really forgiving myself for everything that I had done in my, in my addiction, you know, but I had an amazing sponsor at the time who walked me through this stuff. Not only was she, um, did she work in substance abuse? She also was a life coach and she was a therapist. So she really helped me work through a lot of my triggers, a lot of my problems, a lot of my issues, um, and taught me a lot of tools that I needed to have in order to maintain, um, a good sobriety. Now, um, I did that. I've been to Colorado actually twice. I went to Colorado last year. I went and saw Trevor Hall at Red Rocks, which was the most amazing experience of my life. Somewhere I want to go still. If you can go and see a concert at Red Rock, I highly recommend it. I will one day. Yes. <laughs> Put it on your bucket list. There's so much stuff that like I get to do today. You know, I hike. That is my biggest outlet. Um, Luna I mean, comes what was it two weeks ago? You, me, you, and Casey went tubing we went down tubing. the Catawba River. Yes, that was awesome. That was the it was like heaven. I was like, oh, this is it's very relaxing. Yeah. And we were going down the river, and uh, everyone around <laughs> us was just <laughs> hammered, and you know. Losing their inner tubes, yeah. getting stuck on rocks, and we're over here just, you chilling. know, just chilling and kind of chuckling, remembering those times yeah. when that was us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I made a really big career change in my, um, in, uh, sobriety. You know, um, I had worked for Freedom Detox for three years. Um, I grew, I, I did several different positions. I was admissions coordinator, then I was business development, and then I was a discharge planner. Um, and I loved it, but it was there was something in me telling me I needed to change. You know, I needed that shift. Um, so now I work at Family Health and Wellness. And what we do is we do a lot of different things. We do therapeutic wilderness programs. We do um, residential treatment centers um, for girls, boys, and kids. Well, girls and boys that are struggling with mental health um, issues. 
um, and behavioral issues. And then we also have programs for kids that have ASD that are residential treatment centers. And what is ASD for those listening um, that might not know? Autism. So high functioning autism. We really help them gain those tools and skill sets that they need to be fully functioning adults. And um, the therapeutic wilderness programs are my favorite. You know, I love the outdoors. So I've, I told myself at the beginning of sobriety, if I could work for any program, it would be something that incorporated the wilderness into their treatment. Um, you know, so I get to help families that have children who have um, behavior, mental health, behavioral, and, um, you know, some of them do have addiction issues. Um, and it's amazing. I get to work from home again. Um, I'm happy. You know, I have a lot of fears still, you know, like you, I want to be able to buy a house. Um, but with this market, I'm like, <laughs> ah, I better, you know, meet some sugar daddy or something. <laughs> but, you know, those are my old ways. So it's like, I got to provide that for myself. Amen. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I want to get married and I mean, I want to have kids. And I'm like, if that's in the books, if that's what God has in the books for me, great. If it's not, then I'm going to be okay too. You know, my therapist said, well, maybe you'll meet somebody that already has a child. And you, I'm like, I'm cool with that. You know, we're, I'm 31. So it's like not meeting any children, you know, that are like 24 or something, you know, yeah. like most people our age have kids or have been married. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I have a lot of goals that I want to achieve, a lot of things that I want to do. And today I have the ability to do that, you know. This is, whereas before, you know, you got a concussion you know, your next goal was to go, where's my next drink? Right. And it's, you know, to, I have a relationship with my family today. I think that's the most important thing to me. Um, You know, I've taken my um, niece and nephew to the beach every summer. Um, You know, I would have never done that in active addiction. It's my money. I fucking work hard. I don't care. Like today I'm like, you know what? They deserve to go to the beach. So let's go. Um, I always take off for my niece's birthday. Um, you know, when she was born, I was 18 and she's about to be 14. Her and Luna's birthday are one day apart. Uh -huh. I know. So, um, Addison's birthday is on the 24th. Luna's birthday is on the 23rd. So, um, you know, it's just blessings like that. I'm taking her to the Whitewater Center on her, for her birthday. Um, but I can do that today. I, you know, whereas mm -hmm. before I was never present oh, yeah. ever. I mean, I was, I would Physically, I was present. But mentally. Mentally, I was thinking about the next drink. You know yeah. what I mean? I remember I would be at work and I'd be like, God, is it time to get off so I can have a drink? Or I'd be serving and I would just, I would take like a taster of trying all the beers. Because I worked at restaurants that were big into alcohol, you know, so we could try whatever beer we wanted. Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, I live a life worth living today. I have women in my life that love me. I have friends that are true friendships. Um, and I'm still single and that's okay, but I know my worth. Like I'm not settling anymore. Um, if somebody comes by, great. You know, me and my best friend talk about, oh, some angel's gonna fall from the sky. I'm like, yeah, no, God's got gonna... someone out God, there. Exactly. For you know, all of us. Exactly. And the thing is, is that I know that God's got a plan, you know, but um it's when you least Back to God, believe. Yeah, and in in sobriety, I uh, around thirty, I started having panic attacks. I never had a panic attack in my life. Um, I thought I was dying, so I had to go through a big period of time where I had to change my medicine. I had to get on med more medicine, um, because I could barely function at my job, and mm. like I love my job, and I and that's love defeating. It was it was very defeating because I was like, and there were times where I was like, God, I know that if I had a drink, it would make all of this anxiety, fear, panic, and everything go away. I mean, when people, if anybody tries to sit there and say that they don't have the thought of a drink, they're lying, you know? And so, but that's it. That's it. 
yeah. really it you know i yeah. mean it's such a blessing today i mean um the one question i have when your brother passed mm -hmm. um you've been six months sober um were you ever tempted you know to go and drink to uh i mean because yeah that numbs the pain but you didn't so how was that so um i wrote there was i forgot to talk about this but yeah um it was the third day he was in the hospital um and i was sitting on my couch i called my sponsor or I hadn't called her yet, but I was sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, so I can either drink and this pain can go away. Um, and my brother always used to give me, shit. he was like, you're not an alcoholic. You're just, you just drink too much. And, um, you know, and I was like, whatever, you know, he would make fun of me, but I was like, I still love you, you know? And, um, but yeah, I ended up calling my sponsor and she talked me through it and I prayed and I let God, you know, carry me through it. And, um, every day I was at the hospital, you know, Waylon, who I worked for, who owned Freedom Detox and Legacy at the time, gave me three weeks off of paid work. Wow. So I could really, I mean, I had to get on more medication because I didn't want to even get out of my bed. Yeah. Um, because you get that survivor's guilt um you know and it's like why me um mm -hmm. and that sucks you know but i got through it and uh you know there's things that we don't think that we can get through in life and when they happen it gives us that ability to walk through it with grace um which i'm grateful for and now i get to i get to bring women through the 12 steps of aa sponsor them you know be by their side while they go through in life because regardless if we're sober or we're drinking life is going to continue to happen that's why it's called life right you know and so it's like i can either show up for life or i can not and sometimes i don't want to show up like, but you have to i have to and it's like i don't want to pay bills i don't want to be adult like mm -mm. but the thing is today i get to like you, you know choose to I choose to. I have a choice today, you know, whereas before I didn't have a choice. Alcohol controlled my life, you mm -hmm. know, and um, you thought it did. I mean, you allowed it to. Yeah. I mean, it, it really it, You still had the choice, but you chose your worth and believe what you thought mm -hmm. you were worth. And I did, too. Yeah. And we sell ourselves short and we see how that plays out. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard because it's like, you know, I've done so much work on my self-worth and everything. I mean, I've done therapy. I've done a lot of stuff because I need to constantly be growing because my alcoholic thinking, it's still in the back of my head thinking, oh, you can drink. I mean, this past month, I've had a couple thoughts of drinking and I'm like, like, no, Brianna, let's play that tape out and remember like where you were because that was a place as you can yeah. hear. That I've been to some experiences, yeah. you know, but today I don't have to live like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a blessing. It is. Um, we have the choice to live clean, healthy life and we can wake up feeling, you know, okay, it's a new day, fresh opportunities. We might still, you know, have a little worries about the past, yeah. but we can't undo the past. No. Um, the future isn't promised. Right. And all we have is right now, because that's something mm -hmm. that uh, I struggled with in my it, past. It is. And it's something that I still tr struggle with. You know, I would obsess over my future and thinking like, oh, my gosh. And as I'm getting older, it's scary. You know, like it's weird. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to age. I don't want to get old. Like I want to be in my 30s forever. You know, 30s have been a good year, good years. Um, And, you know, I'm excited for what my life has in store or what god has in store for my life you know yeah because i ain't running the show anymore i mean because no. when i did i <laughs> i drove it into a brick wall yeah and i died <laughs> yeah. so 
Um, before we end, what advice would you give to, um, you know, our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, someone who maybe thinks they're an alcoholic, mm-hmm. who knows they're an alcoholic, yeah. um, some, a family member who is listening that, uh, has a loved one who's struggling yeah. uh, with drinking, but how do they go about, um, helping that loved yeah. one? Because you don't want to force someone because right. that no. the person who's struggling has to want it. Right. You, know, you can't. And if you push it on someone, you know, you can push them too far to where you drive that wedge. Um, Luna's over here trying to listen (laughs) and talk. Um, But yeah, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with alcohol um, or an addiction? And then secondly, family um, who has a loved one who um, they're struggling on how to help them. Yeah. So AA meetings. Look, there is a meeting guy to add this on your phone. You know, go to a church. Call the uh, Metrolina um, group, they've got a hotline. Just say, look, I need help. I know I'm struggling, um, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. You know, there's plenty of meetings. I mean, there is literally, I think there's like 200 meetings a day that happens in Charlotte, probably more, um, you know, and then for people that are, that loved ones are struggling, there's Al-Anon, you know, where those are for people that learn how to set boundaries and stop enabling their loved ones or their family members or, you know, their husbands or whatever, because you don't want to see somebody that you love struggle. And the problem with addiction and is that it's a cycle, like for a little bit, they can maintain, but it's going to get worse. You know, it's that vicious cycle. And it's like, they need help. People need help. And, you know, I think that life or society puts a huge stigma on mental health and addiction, making people think that they're weak. I always thought that was the thing is I was like, if I admit that I'm an alcoholic, that's admitting that I'm weak, you know, and, but that's not the truth. Mm-mm. You know, that's beyond the truth. The truth is, is that I'm strong for admitting that I have a problem, you know, for facing the problem that I do have and reaching out for help and continuing to reach out for help. Cause I have to continue to reach out for help. Cause I'm <laughs> sick. Like my brain is, is, is sick up here. <laughs> So I have to constantly, you know, reach out to women or just people that I know that I can trust. Um, My mom is my parents are a huge support. You know, I talk to them every day almost. And um, but I had to set huge boundaries with them. You know, it was one of the hardest things I've had to do in my life. But yeah, that's really what I would recommend is Al-Anon for people that are that families are struggling and check out AA or maybe just look up. Um, I remember <laughs> I remember when I didn't think I, when I thought I was an alcoholic, I took an online test and um, it was like, if you have this many boxes, you're an alcoholic. And I was boxes uh, and boxes of drinks, uh, boxes or... that you checked oh, off. Check, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, then you're an alcoholic. And I was, I mean, you know, I was studying substance abuse while I was drinking and I was like, cause I wanted to help people, you know? And I'm like, Oh Three, you know, four beers within two hours. Oh, okay. That's an alcoholic. Okay. Four beers, two hours. That's my limit. You know, I did that kind yeah. of stuff. Control, control, control. I mean, if you're online taking a test to see if you're an alcoholic, if you think you're an alcoholic, <laughs> nine times out of 10, you're probably an alcoholic. Yep. You're struggling with the drinking and trying to, you know, figure out maybe I'm not if this box or this test tells me I'm right, not exactly. because you're not in control. No, I'm not. So yeah, that was uh, my, that's my suggestion. Um, It saved my life. And I know a bunch of people whose lives it saved as well. Yeah. And 
Um, just want to thank you for, you know, your vulnerability thank for coming you. on and just sharing your story and the struggles you've had and still have, yeah. um, and just how you're handling them in a, in sobriety yeah. and how you, uh, handled them when you were, you know, not doing so hot, but <laughs> you overcame them Yes, and you're now in a healthy place. You're four years, uh, yeah, four years sober, sober and yeah. going strong as you know. Uh, today's problems yeah. are not tomorrow's problems. Tomorrow's a new day, and uh, right. you have the tools uh, to be able to get to tomorrow. Yes. If Thanks the, for the having Lord, me. The good Lord allows that. That is true. God is good. Amen. All the time. Of course. It's an honor to have you. Um, so thank you all for tuning in this week to the Rabbit Hole Show. If you have any questions, comments, want to come on the show, uh, have any topics you want us to discuss uh shoot us an email the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com and then also um go follow and subscribe on spotify or apple Podcasts, and then also on youtube we're gonna start having uh video recordings of these sessions uh posted on there so stay tuned for that and hope you all have a great week and thanks again all righty charles out